Hello, 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 and welcome to Wired In, another edition of this show. It's been a few weeks since we've done it, and we really wanted to get back into it. I am your host, Blake Johnson, alongside my co-host, Spencer Coles. Spencer, how are you doing? Doing pretty good, man. It's been uh, quite a minute since we've done our last episode. It feels like, dude, it feels... Man, so much has happened, <laughs> and the, the the time that we've been away, there's just been so much shit that's been going on. It, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's it's been a little crazy, just a little bit, you know. Last last episode <laughs> was right before the election, and it was the calm before the storm. It, yes, it really was, which is weird because back just a few weeks ago we thought it was insane. Now it's even more insane. Um, so yeah, we. We've we've missed a lot of breaking news, if you will, as far as covering some of the things that have been going on since since we last met. But we've got a bunch of stuff to to catch up on and discuss. So uh, I don't know. You want to start with uh, kind of the elephant in the room, and that's the election. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think it was actually either yesterday or the day before, but. Um, uh... Uh, I I believe Georgia has just now certified their vote for Joe Biden, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously he's projected to be the uh, the president elect. But you know what what's crazy is though is that the what's really kind of blew me away is just how fast the media have been just to immediately you know proclaim him as the president elect when most of the other states haven't even certified him yet and and won't until probably I I believe like next Monday on the. Uh, the the twenty third I think uh, was when a lot of other states are even projected to uh, certify their votes but yeah it's, um and obviously just uh, how neck and neck a lot of the the margin for votes has been like in Georgia and Pennsylvania in uh in Michigan Wisconsin I mean it's been like I don't I'd say this is probably more neck and neck than it was in uh 2000 with bush and gore uh it's it's just crazy man yeah and and it definitely seems more i don't know more contested more more chaotic than it was back then because oh absolutely you know back i was watching the election coverage live that tuesday and you know as as things were starting to progress, it was looking like Trump was gonna was gonna pull this thing off because he was starting to you know break records of, of votes that he got four years ago in several key places. So you were already starting to see, you know, BLM or Antifa getting ready to riot and you know starting to cause chaos because they were they were afraid that Trump was gonna win again. And then you know late that night. Several key states were like, "Oh, we need to, uh, we need to go to bed. We'll, we'll pick up this, this finishing up the count tomorrow." Yeah, and man. they did it again the next day, and then again the next day. And well, and I have, I have literally never heard of them just being like, "Oh yeah, we're going to finish counting votes tomorrow or whatever." I've, ne- I've never heard of a state just being able to be like, "Oh yeah, we're just going to stop counting the votes." Yeah, I haven't either. And you know, the other thing too is. You know, Trump would be ahead by like five to six hundred thousand votes in some in some places, and then Biden would just come on in and just wreck that 
wreck that de- wreck that deficit, and then he would win. And you know, I, I'm not an expert on how it all works. You know, I've I've tried to I've tried to keep up with some of it. You yeah. know, because um, I I know that part of it has to do with the mail-in votes, and you know, Biden and his campaign have tried to really get their people to vote through mail and and Trump has uh Trump and his supporters have have gone, you know, criticized mail-in voting and which is interesting because you know, if you if you look in elections past, I mean the Democrats have even criticized mail-in voting until now where all of a sudden it's it's, you know, yeah. perfectly fine to do it that way. So, you know, part of it I think part of it has to do with mail-in votes coming in and a lot of those are more favored towards the Democrats and some of the counties weren't certified yet. And those were more, more blue than red, you know, but at the same time, some of it just seems really fishy to me, especially in places like Pennsylvania where they've had a history of, of corruption with their election processes before. So I don't know there. We'll see how it plays out. You know, I'm hoping that, regardless of who wins that it is proven to be because you know unfortunately with every election there's going to be screw-ups there's going to be human error there's going to be cases of fraud even but really it's it's about proving is there enough there to overturn an election i know and in the short time frame that they have because i believe they have until what december 20th until the states have to certify um their vote right yeah, something like that. It's it's around mid December because the the delegates get together and then they certify and they you know officially make it you know thing through the electoral college and so on. So I mean they they don't have much time left at all if they're going to prove that you know because because you have the uh, the legal team. I mean I don't know if you watched. I watched a little bit of it the other day. Their their legal team came out and um, you had Rudy Giuliani. And Sidney Powell, and they were saying that, you know, they they have enough evidence to prove that um, Trump won in a landslide, and that you know there's like seven million to ten million votes that weren't counted for Trump. And I'm like, boy, I mean, you <laughs> if you're gonna make claims like that, you yeah. really better prove it because if it turns out that you're wrong, I mean, you've you've done a great disservice to this whole process, you know? So I, I'm willing to, to, to hear it out. You know, it, it's a little frustrating on my end. I don't know how frustrating it is for you because on the one hand, obviously I don't want Biden to win, but at the same time, I, whoever wins, I want it to be a, a, a case where we can, we can say, look, this person won. I hate it, but at least it was fair, you know? But at the same time, if if you have people coming out and saying the election was stolen, the election was stolen, mm-hmm. you know, I, I understand that you don't necessarily want to just dump all your evidence out in front of the media. I get that. But at the same time, if you're just going to constantly go out there and say Trump won in a landslide, it was stolen from him. I mean, I understand. I actually do understand why the media is like, where's your evidence? Where's your evidence of this? Because... You don't have to go out there and say that if if you don't want to give the evidence out and you just want it to go through a court. You know what I mean? It, it's just kind of frustrating this whole the way they're handling it. I wish if the if they're gonna 
if they're going to prove it, then prove it. But making these wild claims and then not backing it up, I I don't know. It bugs me. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, it, it seems to be kind of a, almost a reversal of 2016 where, you know, the Democrats came out and, and claimed that, you know, there was all this Russian interference and that, you know, the, the Trump campaign colluded with, you know, uh, with with Russia and uh, in order to basically steal the election away from from Hillary. But, you know, they had no evidence of that. And in fact, you know, what we ended up, <laughs> uh, con you know, Consequently, we also ended up uh, finding out that through a CIA uh, revealed document that that the Obama administration had basically ordered the, the had basically ordered the, the the CIA I believe it was the CIA to basically spy on the Trump campaign during uh, 2016. So uh, yeah, it seems to be almost kind of a reversal and. When it pertains to, you know, proving, you know, voter fraud and, and finding voter irregularities, um, we already know that, I mean, it's already been proven that there's been voter fraud. Like, for instance, um, Project Veritas revealed that a postal worker um, in a specific county in, in Pennsylvania um, uh, basically confirmed that he had watched um, county officials uh, take a box of ballots and basically... Uh, count that vote multiple times in a row, um, and even the the and what's funny enough is the Washington Post tried to claim that he had basically recanted his statement, um, but he 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 later revealed no, I never did that, I never you know I, I've I was I was you know sworn under an affidavit you know I, I'm under you know legal oath of perjury so like. <laughs> I don't think I don't even think it's possible to recant uh, once you've sworn under perjury. It's, it, maybe you can. I don't know. I've, I'm not super familiar when it comes to the, the legal aspect of it. Mm -hmm. um, but we have seen instances of fraud. However, there's a caveat to this in that basically Giuliani's team uh, in Pennsylvania specifically, uh, whenever basically when they've brought up their cases they aren't arguing in court uh, under the pretense of voter fraud. They're looking for voter, like, uh, basically, yeah, if I could speak. Irregularities. Um, irregularities, thank you. Um, so that's primarily what's going to be argued in court. They can come out in these press conferences and say, oh, well, we have all this evidence of voter fraud, you know, in specific counties here and there, but... That's all irrelevant because the, what the cases that they're going to be arguing in court are going to be irregularities. It's not mm -hmm. going to be specific cases of voter fraud. Yeah. Um, however, and and I, I think you and I had talked about this the other day, but um, the, I think the biggest thing that the Trump that Trump's legal team has, and if this proves to be true, it could real you know drastically undermine the entire trust of our voting process. And that is that supposedly, and this is according to, um, I think Susan Boyle, I think that's her name, or Doyle, Susan Doyle, I think that's her, her last name. Um, but she revealed in, in that same press conference with Giuliani that um, basically the, the, some of the um, voting 
uh, like system software that that we use for some of our voter machines is basically a um, kind of subsidiary or, 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 or like an affiliate with Dominion, which is notoriously known for being created to essentially um, skew elections, like election results for Chavez uh, back when you know he was um, in control of uh, Venezuela at the time. Um, it, you know, it's notoriously known that 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 software was specifically created um, to basically keep him in power. Um, after I think it was like a specific ruling or something um, that came up in Venezuela that he he didn't particularly favor. So um, again, this is all this all has to be proven in court, though. I mean, again, they can come out on all these press conferences and and make all these wild accusations and claims, but if they never produce any of that evidence in court, you know, it, it's all meaningless. Yeah, yeah, and I I get that and. You know, that's that's why the process is going to play out how it's going to play out. You know, it doesn't matter what Trump tweets. It doesn't matter what these these people say as far as, you know, in front of the media and on on talk shows and and things of that nature. It, it matters how it's going to be given out in the court, because you have you have all these people giving sworn affidavits of, you know, of, of these irregularities of these issues that are going on I mean if they if they lie about that they they lose they're, they're disbarred you know they serious consequences could happen if you make these whatever claims they're making and it turns out that you lied you know it it's it's a big deal so you know the idea that that many people could be going against what they're saying, in a sworn affidavit is pretty unlikely. I guess it's possible, but it's unlikely. So that's why, you know, I, I think that them challenging, I, I definitely think there's plenty there to challenge. I, I'm not saying that there's nothing to challenge. I'm not even saying that mm -hmm. Trump should concede. I don't think he should concede yet until this, this process plays out. Mm -hmm. So exactly. I, I just wish that, they what they're going for in court would match what they're saying in front of the cameras. That's that's kind of my issue with it is, and that's kind of what the no, whole Trump presidency has been is his policies are not as grandiose as his statements. You know, well, yeah, you know he'll definitely. he'll he'll make these these really big grandiose hyperbolic claims, and then when he's actually governing, it's you know, a little more tame, a little more reasonable than that. So it's just kind of how it's been. It's, it's just been a fun ride this whole time. So we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, if it gets to the Supreme court though, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I guess it just kind of depends on what specific case they bring in front of the Supreme court. But, you know, uh, I'm not as confident that they will rule in, in their favor, but, Again, I don't know exactly what they're going to bring forth specifically to, uh, to to win the day. So it just kind of depends on that. But I think they said they're going to have some more legal challenges or some serious next steps in the next coming days. So we'll just see what, what plays mm -hmm. out with that. But 
I guess all, all I know is I want this. I want this election to be over with. Yeah, I, 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 move, I agree. <laughs> I want to move on. And you know, on. I think I think people are are hyper focusing on the fact that you know, even, you know, I think even if we, you know, if Republicans do lose the presidency, you know, the fact of the matter is, conservatives still hold the Senate, and um, you know, and so I, you know, this idea that you know that. Biden's going to be able to radically change, you know, the entire framework of this country. Uh, you know, maybe that would be in the realm of possibility if, you know, Democrats held both, basically just it was a full sweep. But, you know, I think there will be kind of a gridlock. You know, I think there's enough mm-hmm. of a gridlock in in, in the Senate um, and, and a little bit in the House to where, you know, there, there's not going to be a whole lot of shift back and forth. Um of course, you know the the discourse will be heated. Of you know that that's obviously not going to change. But, um, but yeah, I I think I think people, particularly on the right, who have this kind of doom and gloom mentality that uh, of a Biden presidency, you know, I, I think you know it, it's not quite as bleak as uh, people are making it out to be, and you know, and and again, I I think. We could potentially see something, you know, uh, an even greater uh, shift in the next two years uh, w- with, you know, more, uh, m- you know, with more uh, district races and stuff like that. So, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. And it's interesting because, you know, like you said, let's let's just assume Biden becomes the president this this election was not by any stretch of the imagination a blue wave. I mean, oh yeah, absolutely. It, not. It, Trump got a record number. He he did get more votes than he did last time around. Now Biden got record number of votes too, so that's that's also true. But mm-hmm. you know the fact is the Senate is still likely going to stay controlled by Republicans. the The House, while it will stay with the Democrats, they've lost a significant amount of majority that they held in the house you know so it mm-hmm. it's a lot closer to a tie than it was two years ago so it, it should give it, it's not like in 2008 when barack obama came in and there was a clear mandate there was a clear you know we don't want any more of of the bush years we want to go in a totally new direction fundamental transformation all that stuff where there was a, a massive wave and you did see some pretty significant change in the next, you know, the years that followed, but people forget too the 2010 midterm election was an absolutely historic turnout for, for Republicans. That's when the, the tea mm-hmm. party was really at its peak back then. And so, you know, it, the, there what should be encouraging to people who are disappointed with how the presidency will likely turn out, the the thing that they should keep in mind is there were plenty of people that came out against the radical left agenda. And so the the case can still be made. I mean, you can still make the argument of why, you know, we should we should elect people with you know, small government policies and, and, and things like that. And to be mm-hmm. quite honest, I mean, I did vote for Trump this time around, but 
the thing is, even though he's policy wise, I think he's been pretty good for his first term. I still really wish that we would have someone who is actually, I don't know, who an actual president, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or like, who, at least behave, it conducts themselves as. Yeah, and I know it riles people up whenever you bring that up because they're like, "Oh, I'm not electing a nice guy." Well, you mm. should elect. You should want in a leader some adult qualities, and let's just face it: Donald Trump does not have the the capacity to be a even tempered individual. Now he has, he's done, he's been even tempered, but like you know that that first debate that we saw between him and Biden was just an mm-hmm. absolute garbage of a debate because it was yeah, just I two really old people yelling at each other the whole time. And I and I really do think that's what kind of uh, really made him lose you know the, the slight edge he had. Um, going into the, you know, the first debate was, you know, I, I think, you know, a lot of people, and rightly so, had held the perspective, the perspective of, you know, Biden not really being in control of his own campaign. You know, the fact is, you know, basically his whole, you know, presidency has been thwarted by, you know, the progressives, specifically with Kamala Harris. And so, um, and so I think you I think going into the debate, I think there was a lot there was a more of a slight edge um, or, or when it pertains to the the optics for Trump. Um, however, I think you know with it's interesting because with Trump, you know, and specifically his ability to hire on people who um specifically like Jared Kushner and being able to issue out peace deals in the Middle East, you know, I was honestly rather surprised um, that they were able to uh, effectively draft up uh, peace agreements uh, as effectively as they did. Um, However, I think the issue with, with, with me in particular with Trump is, you know, he, he often kind of hinted around the idea of, pulling our troops out of the Middle East of, you know, n- not really being involved uh, so heavily in, in, in other countries' affairs and stuff like that. And, but, you know, I, I think that that was never going to be in the realm of possibility with him because the, he, I think, in a certain extent, he profited way too heavily of the military-industrial complex um, to get rid of it. I think, you know, I think maybe he, he went into it with... with the intention of uh, kind of driving wedges in the military industrial complex. But it's just, you know, when you're, when you're in that position of power, you stand more to gain from having all those pieces in play versus not having them, you know, in your pocket. Um, Specifically whenever, when like whenever they went after Soleimani and, um, and things like that for, for better or for worse, um, you know, so I think that's where kind of my issue with Trump has always been. Um, but, you know, this idea, though, that this idea, though, that, that, he, that, that he was this horrible radical 
tyrannical monster, you know, this this authoritarian dictator, you know, it's, it's just, it's not true, though. I mean, I mean, and we can look back on this during whenever COVID broke out, he could have very easily um, basically pulled what the Biden administration is wanting to do now and put everything under a federal mandate. But Trump said, no, you know, I'll allow the governors, I'll allow the states to dictate the needs of their state, which is Honestly, how I think uh, the way it should roll, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think people should be allowed to dictate how they live their lives and how they go about conducting their own personal safety. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I just think that's how it should be handled. But it, it, what's strange, though, is it's like you you saw from the left this complete uh, total shift from criticizing him for being this horrible authoritarian to wanting him to place authoritarian measures. And it's like, well, what do you want? What, mm-hmm. what, yep. what is your through line here? You know? Yeah. If, if they, they keep saying he's a fascist. Well, he's not very good at it because like yeah. you said, <laughs> he, he keeps giving control to the, the local authorities. He never put in a mandate or, you know, he, he never, he never did any of those things. And the thing is, they'll go from saying he's a fascist to saying he doesn't control things enough. Like you just said. Mm-hmm. And I, it, I don't think they even understand what fascism means. And I don't think the left really has a clear outlook on what it wants because it's not, it's not consistent with them. They want that. They, they want someone to govern based on how they feel rather than what actually should be the case you know what what should be according to whether it be constitution whether it be just personal responsibility they they pick and choose what they what they care about and what they don't care about and that's why you know biden has gone back and forth on the lockdown thing he said during the campaign that he wants to lock down and then i saw a story the other day where he said he doesn't want to do a lockdown who knows what what they're even going to do but, well, I don't think it'll be. I don't think it'll be a matter of what Joe Biden wants. It'll be a matter of what the progressive left and specifically Kamala Harris wants. Um, I yeah. think when he gets, you know, elected in the office, he's going to have very little say on really anything. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, I, I, <laughs> I honestly wouldn't be surprised if, literally, right after inauguration day, he just cedes the presidency to her. Um, which well, is also see... very scary, considering that after that term, she can still run for her two terms because that, yeah. her time as being president that doesn't count towards her two terms. Yeah, exactly. I mean, she could she could literally be president for like eleven, twelve years if she wanted to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Know? So yeah, I'm not. I, I think it could go either way on that as far as whether Biden will stay in. I think if he does stay in, he's. He'll be the he'll be the figurehead. He'll be the face of the administration, but he won't actually be doing much. You know, he'll 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 call it a lid, as they as they like to to say now. He'll call it a lid after afternoon, and then Kamala and the rest of his cabinet will take over from there. And yeah, I, I don't think he'll he'll basically be like, okay, what do you want to do? Okay, do that then. That's pretty much what he'll do. That's my prediction anyway. But, you know, 
I kind of going back to what we were discussing earlier as far as radical change, I, you know, I, I think because of how much resistance there has been for some of the local races, the Senate races, the congressional races, it's going to be more of a gridlocked four years, you know, and yeah. two years from now, I mean, if there's a, if, if something happens to where it, it increases the, the, uh, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it basically makes it to where Republicans have a, a clear mandate to, to take the house, you know, then it'll be even more gridlocked from then to 2024. So, you know, and I, so I, I don't think, barring, barring some extraordinary circumstance, which is entirely possible, mm-hmm. if, if Republicans, Republicans aren't very good when it comes to actually getting, getting stuff done, but when it comes to opposing the other side and just stopping them, they can be decently good at that. So I could, I could see Mitch McConnell and, and, and them just, just not give in. But at the same time, you know, what, what happens to the Republican party without Donald Trump? Do they just try to go back exactly. to where they were before, where they were just wishy-washy, spineless politicians that would say one thing and do another? Or will they actually try to oppose what the Biden and Harris administration want to do, oppose it as hard as they can until we can, you know, run run someone to, to beat them in 2024, which, I mean, it sounds like uh, unless he decides he's... He's done. He doesn't want to go through all that mess again. I mean, I could see Donald Trump running again in 2024. And if he if he runs, I mean, he'll be the nominee. It'd be hard to stop him at that point. But Well, yeah. and I could see, you know, another scenario that I could see, too, is, you know, whenever Trump came out and basically was insisting, you know, about there being voter irregularities and, and, and fronds in particular, um, when they were bringing out these, these legal battles, um, the GOP leadership, and even still, hasn't been very, um, hasn't really been, you know, in Trump's yard, more or less. You know, they haven't really been uh, supporting him on that front. Mm-mm. And so I could very well see, you know, and again, you know, especially if um, Trump's lawsuits end up just falling flat on their face, um, I could very well see Donald Trump heavily fracturing the Republican Party. Mm, I mean, he already yeah. kind of has to a degree. I mean, he I mean, yeah. he definitely handcuffed them during the 2016 primaries. I mean, he was very much, you know, <laughs> for you know, for better or for worse, you know, he he kind of handcuffed them, you know, handcuffed himself to the party. And uh I and I think, you know, if you know, if Trump loses out in these lawsuits, I could very well see him creating a fraction or a fracture in the Republican Party and potentially even creating uh, a, a possibly more dominant uh, third party than the Republican Party. I mean, especially uh, with, you know, the fact that Fox News in particular has uh, really started to kind of kind of dabble more into the 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 the, the typical SJW practices, the 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 typical standard legacy media uh you know <laughs> you know 
when it pertains to you know their whole method of conducting journalism and stuff like that um i it wouldn't shock me at all um and i really think you know and, and this is weird because you know when it comes to the total number of votes you know i think third you know the third third party you know candidates didn't perform super well but however i think there was kind of a huge shift for third party candidates in the senate race because obviously um uh, the Libertarian Party ended up picking two, picking up two seats uh, in the Senate race, which I think will be, um, you know, very substantial uh, in the next four years to come. I, 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 I really do. And if Trump creates that fracture, could we see? And and this is something that I I wanted to talk to you about. But I I was curious. You know, it leaves me wondering: could there be a shift for Trump's base to basically establish, to further establish the Libertarian Party. Um, now, obviously, Trump is not Libertarian by any means. Um, but uh, do you, could you, uh, at least for me, I could very well see that being a potential possibility. Yeah, I, I could too, honestly. And the reason being is when Trump ran in 2016, I mean, he ran not just against the the Democrats, not just against Hillary, Hillary Clinton. He ran against the Republicans as well, because, exactly. you know, if you watch especially that very first debate, uh, uh, I think it was a Fox News debate in uh, in 2016. No, 2015, 2015, um, yeah. 2015. I mean, he ran on these politicians are all talk and no action. And he was not just talking about Democrats. He was talking about the people on stage with him running for mm -hmm. the presidency. So that's, that's a big part of why the establishment Republicans did not want him to be the nominee because he wasn't playing ball with them. He was going to, mm -hmm. you know, run and run for his, his supporters, but he was not running. He, he was, he was, <laughs> He was a rhino without being a typical rhino. You know, typically when we, we yeah. call someone a rhino, which means Republican in name only, it's it's someone who claims to be a Repu Republican, but they don't really follow their own um, party platform. They're more big government type. He was the opposite. He he was like, I don't care about this this establishment. I'm you know I'm running as my own person, et cetera, et cetera. So, <laughs> which is part of what mystified me because, you know, you had people like Ted Cruz and Rand Paul and Scott Walker. And I mean, you had some pretty good candidates that weren't establishment. Mm -hmm. So it always mystified me why people wanted to go for Trump. Well, it's because he wasn't a politician. He wasn't a normal, he'd never run for public office. Well, he never, he had never held public office before. So it was a new thing. And, you know, his whole presidency has has pretty much stayed with that. And it's weird because even though he was running for a second term, he still didn't really seem like he had become just any old politician. He, he still seemed somewhat like an outsider because he was doing things that no other Republican was, was doing. Mm -hmm. So this leads me to, this is kind of why I agree with you, because 
you know, I I predict that should he should he indeed lose these legal challenges, then he's going to spend the next four years um, just just you know wrecking everything on on social media. He might even start his own um, cable news network to try to you know beat Fox. He, he, you know he's the thing about Trump that's been true for a long time is he's an entertainer. He loves to entertain, but he also likes to disrupt things. So I think he will try to disrupt, further disrupt media, further disrupt the Republican Party, especially if they don't, you know, side with him and support him. And I think, you know, he may not run as a libertarian, but um, I think even after Trump is gone, I mean, part of this whole division thing is going to cause people to shift away from both parties. So Mm -hmm. I I think it's entirely possible that happens because if you consider the kind of climate we live in where it's so divisive and people don't trust either side, eventually they're going to seek out a different option. So, you know, that's, that's kind of why when I voted, I voted for Trump, but for most of the other candidates, I voted libertarian because I just yeah. don't trust either side. And I think that's I don't think that's going to end after after Trump. I don't think you're just going to be able to okay, let's just nominate a a bushy Republican in 2024. I, I don't think people are going to accept that. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's strange. I because again, I think in many ways I feel like, especially with Lindsey Graham coming out and basically being chummy with Kamala Harris, um, I I think the GOP really desperately wants to return back to that that Bush, you know, progressive Republican uh, era of uh, how they used to conduct themselves. But I I I really don't think that's really possible, especially considering with how much they're kind of further caving and caving um into you know with with the progressive uh the radical progressive leftist movement um and the fact that most i feel like most conservatives now um are very much against uh and again i keep i keep harping back on you know i keep harping a lot on this but you know, I think a lot of conservatives don't really want to see the further advancement of the military-industrial complex in the Middle East. Um, however, I think, and and it's strange because a lot of Trump's policies uh, when he ran were very, to a degree, very populist. You know, he you know obviously wanting to spend government money on, on the border wall, uh, what, you know, whether for better or for worse, you know, the fact of the matter is a lot of his policies, um, were a lot more, uh, to, to, to a certain extent, not, not radically populist, but, but populist to a certain extent. And, uh, which is why I don't particularly classify him as being nowhere near the libertarian, uh, philosophy per se. But considering, again, like you've pointed out, how anti-establishment he was 
uh, going into his uh, first term and further disrupting it. I think, you know, there was plenty of evidence to see that <laughs> and it makes a lot of sense, you know, why Biden would have won around this time around because, you know, the establishment GOP, they don't want him disrupting the current machine set in place. Um, and so it'll, it'll be interesting how much he can continue to do that even outside the White House. In the words of a, of a famous Jedi, you strike me down, I should become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. <laughs> Which I think that's, that's true for, for Trump. I mean, if he, if he goes away from the presidency, he's not going away. He, it, it's not in his DNA. He can't just go away quietly. He's going to make a lot of noise for the next, next four years. So it's going to be interesting to see how things, how things shake up because... Mm. It's. I don't think it's going to go back to normal as far as, you know, pre the pre-Trump era of uh, of political matters. You know, it, it's gonna. There's going to be some more shakeups at some point. It, it oh, just, absolutely. It'll just depend on where where the shakeups will occur. So, and to kind of wrap this up, I, I think another reason, and I I had predicted this, I think in our last podcast that. If Trump loses, part of it's going to be because of COVID and because of, you know, his his personality. And I think some of that's played out. I mean, I, I've seen. Oh, absolutely. I, I've seen the... people who typically vote Republican say that they are going to vote for Joe Biden because he at least he's a nice guy and or, you know, just ridiculous well, stuff like the, that. It, it, the crazy it, thing is, is that Joe Biden, he's literally advocating for the same thing. That the Trump administration is doing now. Yeah, I saw, or a tweet, has done. saw a tweet from Kamala Harris, I think yesterday. She was like, yeah, I our our policy for uh, COVID is to make tests as, as available as possible and to get a vaccine. I'm like, dude, that's literally what Trump's been doing the entire time. Yeah, like, Operation Warp Speed. Yeah, there's, there's no difference between either of those. So, mm. you know, and... and Joe Biden's not a nice guy. I mean, that that's just a fact, you know. Oh man, it, it's driven me up the wall that people have been like celebrating the fact that Joe Biden, this establishment crony politician that has been in office for a hundred years <laughs> and least. is probably the most notorious war warmonger to ever hold public office, everyone is cheering. That he is now the president of the United States. I mean, yeah. the man has not met a war that he didn't like. Yeah, I think people are going to be are going are going to be surprised um, when Biden gets in there and they're like, "Oh, wait, wait," you know, he's he's actually doing things that I don't support. I thought he was going to be. Yeah, it's like, shocker. well, if you would have paid attention you would have realized that he wasn't going to do those things so yeah it we'll we'll see how it plays out but yeah well we've we've really harped on the the political side for a while um let's let's kind of shift over and and talk a little bit about uh the gaming fun world things. fun things yes <laughs> let's, let's talk about the gaming world um so and in case you've been living under a rock 
the next gen consoles, the Xbox Series X and S, and the PlayStation 5 have both come out um, in the past week and a half, two weeks. And you know, there's been there's been a lot of news surrounding the the releases of these consoles. I've been pretty excited to see how well these consoles would do. Um, and it, it's it's been interesting to see it because you know the the Xbox the we've talked about this before you know the the Series X and S the the difference the, the thing that kind of frustrates me as far as Microsoft goes is you know also I, we I've, have to we have to talk about whoever is naming these consoles and needs to be shot <laughs> It's like it's a little, okay, little the extreme, Xbox One, but, you know. <laughs> then you have the Xbox One S, then you have the Xbox One X, then you have the Xbox Series S and Series X. I, I don't understand their logic in naming these consoles because you you had the Xbox, the original Xbox, and then you yeah. had the Xbox 360. And I remember yeah, when, fine. yeah, and then when they were talking about the next console, people thought, okay, you're going to call it like the Xbox 720 because it's double 360, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and no, they just call it the Xbox One. I'm like, wait, it's but it's the third generation of Xbox, so why are you calling it the One? Um, and then when well, they... I don't think they ever... I don't think they ever explained that, by the way. Yeah, I don't I think there's ever don't an explanation they, for that. I still don't know why they called it that. I mean, it, it makes no sense. And yeah, like you said, they... They did the Xbox One, the Xbox One S, and then I think it was like, what, a year ago? They came out with the Xbox One X, and now this this generation is the Xbox Series X and S, and I still don't know why they called it that. And it's it's confusing, too, because there have been reports of, of people buying the Xbox One S or One X, thinking that it was the new generation because, you know, they're buying it for their kid or whatever, but they don't pay attention to all these names like, you know, the the gamers do. So they, they just buy what looks like it would be a new console, and it's actually the last generation. So it, it's I, it doesn't make any sense why you would name it like that because it's so confusing to, to a lot of people. And there's no consistency. Whereas PlayStation, it's very simple. PlayStation 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. It's it's very easy to keep track of. So, but, but anyway, you know, as expected, the PlayStation has been far outperforming the Xbox Series X and S. I mean, they've sold, I think, I mean, they've, they've outperformed the, the PlayStation 4 as far as, you know, initial sales, they've, oh, yeah. they've just destroyed it because, you know, when they've been showing the information, showing people what the new console is going to do, it's exciting people, not just, not just what it's going to do, but how it looks. I mean, it, it looks next gen, the controller is next gen and what they're doing with the games is, is next gen. And, you know, it, it is exciting people to want to get out there and buy it. And, you know, unfortunately, we're seeing uh, what we what we see with uh, with Yeezys and with uh, different other <laughs> yeah. brands, different other pieces of technology, and and so on. We're seeing um, they're calling them resellers now, I guess, to make them feel better. But they're they're called scalpers. That's what I'm calling them. 
Um, scalpers. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Scalpers, if you don't know who scalp, what, what a scalper is, basically they, they have these bots that they, that they utilize and they, um, they log in or whatever. They are, you know, keeping track of all the retailers, all the sites that are selling, in this case, the PlayStation 5. And as soon as they go out on sale online, they snatch them up. And they don't they don't go through the normal process that you or I would go through, where we would log in, create an account, put in payment and address information, and then add to cart, buy it, so on and so forth. No, they bypass all that. They make it pretty much impossible for an ordinary human being to to outpace their process. They just snatch it up, and there have been there have been cases that there's this one reseller group. I guess it's snagged nearly 3,500 PlayStation 5 consoles. And what they will do is they'll snatch them up and then they'll sell them on eBay or uh, I think StockX is another one. But they'll sell them on, on eBay, Amazon for like triple the price. So, you know, the, the PS5, the disc version is selling for $499, but you'll find it on eBay for like $1,500 to $1,800. Or the the digital edition is is uh, three ninety nine, and you'll find it being sold for nine hundred to again fifteen hundred bucks, and it, it's just it's disgusting. I hate it so much, and I've I've seen I've seen pictures on on social media of these of these guys just bragging about it, and you'll see they they have like dozens and dozens of PS five boxes in their whether it be their house or wherever they're selling them. And like, hey, you know, hit me up on eBay, DM me, and I'll I'll make sure you get one. And it's just so it, it's so insane. So it's made because of the COVID situation. Places like Walmart and Best Buy and GameStop they've been selling them primarily online. You can't go to a store and get one right now. Um, so it makes it harder for people to get them because if they're online, well, that's that's how the scalpers operate is they snatch them up online. So. It's it's made it very frustrating for people to be able to get one because of that. Yeah, it's just how well and and, and it certainly doesn't help too that you know with COVID you know heavily impacting you know supply lines and and things like that. You know, obviously they weren't able to produce as many as they more than likely would have wanted to, you know, produce. Um, but yeah, and and this this hasn't really even exclusively been affecting the next gen consoles either, which is the crazy thing. Um, you know, Nvidia just released you know their RTX thirty eighty cards, and you know you're <laughs> you know the likelihood that you're gonna get your hands on one is 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 next to none. But unless you're gonna you know like you said, pay a scalper like thirteen hundred bucks for a you know a, one of these video cards. Um, and so it, it's just, but what, what's funny though, is that NZXT, they, um, so they're, they, they build, um, computer cases, but they also have, uh, within their company, they have a, uh, a branch that does like custom PC builds and things like that. Well, they just recently announced that they, uh, they're, they're, their line of custom PCs comes with the new like uh, RTX 3080 cards, and you know, <laughs> and every you know everyone's 
obviously outraged by it because mm-hmm. the fact that you can't find them anywhere. You can't buy them just for, you know, if you want to do a, a DIY rig, you know, if you just want to build a, a, a computer yourself, uh, you can't find them unless, you know, you go to one of these companies and pay them, you know, you know, basically take thousands out a of dollars. <laughs> well, yeah, basically you're, you're needlessly buying a whole rig just for a video card. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, um, but yeah, I, this is what a lot of these companies are doing now. They're just buying all these computer parts in, 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 in bulk and at a slightly discounted rate so that they can put them in their systems and sell them at, you know, overpriced and, you know, mark them overpriced and make huge amounts of money off of it. And, and frankly, you know, I, I think, you know, this, I think we're going to see more of this, especially, you know, uh, in 2021 with next gen consoles i think you know this even if even if sony and and microsoft do manage to uh produce more next gen consoles i th- i think you're just going to continue to see more scalping going on because there's just such a high demand for them um so yeah and they i guess uh places like gamestop and i think walmart for Black Friday are going to be having some in-store purchases. And so that even though it's inconvenient to do it that way too, because at least when you, when they first come out, because people will camp out and they'll, you know, they'll camp out for days sometimes to, to get them. But at least it's, you have more of a chance because you're, you're not dealing with a robot. You're dealing with a regular person Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, we'll we'll see how it goes for the holidays. I think the 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 big thing is they've got to find ways to get them in stores where it's easier to access them and it's it's harder to it's it's harder for a bot to take them. But because of these restrictions, because of what's likely coming with the new administration in 2021, you're probably going to see even more lockdowns happen in certain places. Mm-hmm. It's going to be even harder to go into a store and and get something. And, you know, it, it's it's just kind of up in the air how things are going to play out as far as next-gen consoles and, and, and things like that. So, you know, hopefully hopefully people are lucky enough to get, to get one here in the near future. But um, we'll see. So yeah, and uh, just to uh, just to kind of one last thing to you know wrap this up too is um, you know I could very well see um, and this is this is more theoretical than anything, but you know with considering you know let, let's let's say for instance you know um, Sony and Microsoft are able to produce more consoles um, around probably like late December you know January and have them shipped around late December. Uh, or the January mark, I could see games like, you know, that they're super highly anticipated, like Cyberpunk, for instance, get pressured to go into another delay so that they can boost next-gen console sales. Um, Mm. Now, for CD Projekt Red in particular, that wouldn't be as profitable for them because most likely, particularly with people in the Xbox camp, they're not going to be upgrading to the Series S or X anytime soon because any game that can be played on those next-gen consoles, they can play on their current-gen consoles, 
And, you know, honestly, you know, if you're, if you're playing on a, a 1080p resolution TV, you're not going to see a huge drastical improvement as far as performance goes. Um, so it, it, it really just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to upgrade immediately. And I think more people are going to buy the Xbox One X or, you know, even the, the One S versions of those games. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of where I am currently is, you know, there's there's no exclusives for the Series X or S. And and quite frankly, there's no exclusives for the PS5 either. I mean, the 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 new versions you can get on PS5, but you can play them on PS4 if you have one. Um, and they, I mean, both companies have said that they're going to still be dishing out versions for now technically previous gen consoles for the next couple of years. So, you know, if, if you're not able to, let's say you want, let's say you have an Xbox and you want to upgrade to the next Xbox, there's no reason to do that right now because you can play all the games on your, on your Xbox one. Um, and likewise with the PS4, you might as well just wait because some of the games too, um, particularly with, with Xbox. And I think also with, with PlayStation, if you have, a PS4 version of the game, or you have an Xbox One version of the game, if you eventually get the next-gen console, you can just upgrade that version you already have to the next-gen version of it for free. Um, so it basically improves the graphics for you. It brings mm -hmm. in ray tracing and, and things like that. So it's kind of a win-win either way. I mean, you still get to play new games, and once you're able to upgrade to a next-gen console... Depending on what game you have, you can upgrade that to the next-gen version of it. So it just kind of, you know, it, it's fr it's very frustrating. It's frustrating for me because I haven't had a PlayStation since the PlayStation 2. I've really been wanting to play the Spider-Man games, God of War, things like that, that I can't play on Xbox. So, you know, I really want to get the new, the new system, but at the same time, I mean eventually you're going to have newer games you're going to have next gen exclusive games there's going to be a bigger library out so whenever you finally do get it it'll be more worth it because you'll have even more stuff to access so that's kind of a long-winded way of, of me saying uh patience is a virtue even though i uh <laughs> even though i don't exhibit that very well sometimes but yeah, you know semantics yeah yeah but anyway i think that's gonna wrap it up for our show today we Hope you've enjoyed the podcast. And uh, one thing I forgot to mention when we when we started the show is if you want to listen to us, there's multiple ways to do that. If you uh, are listening to us on Anchor, that's pretty much our home base for where we uh, distribute the podcast. But you can also listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Google, and pretty much all the big name platforms you find podcasts on you'll find wired in on as well so be sure to find us on there and if you're able to give us a five-star rating and review because that helps spread the word about the show and i guess it helps the algorithm if you will whenever you're searching for new podcasts to listen to it'll kind of boost us in the suggestions list so certainly won't complain about that but uh yeah be sure to check us out there and spread the word and we will catch you back here next time, hopefully next week. Have a good one. See you guys.